podcast doors have. It's Kubrick's Universe, the Stanley Kubrick Podcast. Hello, hey, and hi there. Welcome once again to Kubrick's Universe. We continue with our series of special shows covering A Clockwork Orange, commemorating the 50th anniversary of its 1971 release. Hopefully you've heard our previous episode with Shirley and Tony Jaffe and their tales of working on the film, as this one is a bit of a tie-in. We're going to hear from Maria Galindo about her A Clockwork Orange-inspired short film, Nurse Shirley Foster, which stars the aforementioned wonderful actress Shirley Jaffe. Maria Galindo was born and raised in San Antonio, Texas. She was a musician for many years and also developed an interest in photography. In 2013, while living in Barcelona, she woke up one day and said, It's now or never, and began writing her first script, A Slice of Life in Barcelona. She would use this film to showcase what she is capable of. She wrote, directed, and edited the film with no formal schooling and on a shoestring budget. After establishing her own independent film company, Mayhem Film Creations, she developed and directed the short films Witch Hour and the subject of our conversation with her, Nurse Shirley Foster. James Marinaccio and Stephen Rigg had the chance to catch up with Maria to discuss the film. And we'll also connect with our previous episode by hearing more from Shirley Jaffe about her experience working with Maria Galindo on this unique project. So hang with us as we peel the orange yet again to unveil yet another layer. Talk about your nurse. It's Nurse Shirley Foster. Is it Nurse Foster or Nurse Shirley? Foster? No, Nurse Shirley Foster. Okay. Um, so, um, how did you, you know, let's start with how did you meet Shirley? So, I went to this networking uh, meeting, and when I was there, right away I saw her. She was a little lady, you know, she's like eight. When I met her, she was 82. Um, and and I, you know, she was just very fascinating looking. You know, her face and her her gray hair. And right away, I just saw something in her, and I was like, "Wow, I would put that." Who? Uh, everybody needs an old lady in a movie. Like <laughs> it's that. Like I'm always like, "Oh man, that I need that lady to play something." So right away, I looked at her, and I was like, "Oh, gold." And I didn't even know at first. I just saw her, and I was like, "Oh, oh man, wow. I, I I can do this because I'm always looking." for I have an eye for people but I'm always looking to do project anywhere I'm at because since I write it directed cut it up and even score the thing some most of the time you know um I can make a mini movie I can make a, a a vision of what I want to make and get it out there to to be made into a feature or whatever um so I saw her and I was like wow like like this this uh this little lady would be great in the movie and then everybody introduces themselves in a circle, sitting around a circle, and so it says what you know you do. Shirley Jaffe. I went to um, a filmmaker's. What do you call it? Convention. 
No, it wasn't a committee. It was Whatever. It, it meets once a month, and it's a sort of get together of local Brighton, Sussex uh, filmmakers. I mean, I've done lots of small films. There's a film school at Portsmouth and uh, Brighton and Eastbourne and all over the place, and they they meet up once a month in a, a cinema here that has a, a bar. And we talk about what we're doing and ask for people. And I've had a few jobs through it and try and encourage one another and so on. And I just mm. happened to, because the, the thing, the story that I was involved in Clockwork Orange had just come out um, mm -hmm. the time before, I took with me um, pictures of the house mm. and the um, magazine pictures of some of the shots from the film. Right. And I happened to have them that night, and Maria was in there. Maria Galindo. And that day I was really lucky because she um she had a she had a folder and they she actually brought like the newspaper clippings of when she was in a clockwork orange and uh you know some interviews and um she had pictures like stills like original photos of her in her nurse costume and you know she portrayed the nurse that prepared the injection right. that gave the doctor to give Alex Malcolm McDowell um so when I saw this I mean I'm a huge Kubrick fan I'm ever since I was a child like I, I have a story to tell about that too in a second but um you know I I saw that and I freaked out and being in England you know I I love from Morrissey to, to all the English punks, the buzzcocks and everything of music. And then when it comes to cinema, oh yeah, Kubrick, you know. Uh, then, you know, I, I met her and whatnot. She took out her photos of Kubrick and uh, took out everything. And I looked at it and I was like, wow. I was like, this is amazing. Everybody there seemed like that was a normal thing. They were used to her constantly always being there, you know. Um, so for me, it was like, huge and I was all over that lady <laughs> hugging her and I wanted to know like so much things they took pictures of us together right away because I was just so happy like a child and it just happened like that and then I told her listen I'm going to think of something I'm going to shoot with you I'm going to think of something and she's mad about she's mm. crazy about it and um she said, oh, I could make a film about this. And she was going on and I thought nothing will happen. About a week later, I called her and I told her, hey, uh, I, I'm going to do this silent film. So that way, you know, we don't have to deal with a lot of dialogue and I, I'm going to make it a short film. Within two weeks, she'd set up a small film, uh, a producer, a cast, uh, various places for sets. And within a couple of weeks, we'd shot it. Then she managed to set up um, a couple of performances, one in um, a pub in London where they had um, they show short films every month. Mm -hmm. And one here uh, in, a, again, a pub where they show short films. I ended up making it six minutes because there's a little, it's, it's like, I think it's every month. It's monthly. It's called a uh, London Kino, and you have to have a six-minute short film. Oh, okay. So I made it six minutes just for that little festival that they do 
we got in and before he knew it, I was taking Shirley in a van, getting the old lady in a van. We're going to London. I took her to London. They screened it. Everybody loved it. Um, You know, she got the microphone, got to talk about Kubrick a little bit and everything like this. So it was it was quite an experience uh, for her. And it was really fast. She didn't expect for me to actually go do it shoot it within like three, three days and complete it. And I edited it in about maybe less than two weeks. And she was such a ball of fire, this woman. Her name is Maria Galindo. Maria Galindo. She gets rewarded for this um, pushing and, and, and um, determination. I mean, she's terrific. Mm. It, it, it felt like the, the, big wind had gone past us and then when she went back to America I thought life suddenly became very dull. She met Kubrick by um he he wanted her house he she was in a magazine that was like the most uh, modern homes in the 70s and he saw that house and that house they filmed the rape scene, the famous rape scene. So yeah, that's where the, that's the, the writer right. lived, yeah. Yes. Uh, so right away when I spoke to her and she was like, yes, come by for a, a cup of tea and we'll talk, I thought I was going to go into that house. Uh-huh. I was so, I was so <laughs> excited. I was like, oh, my God, do you know, like, the like I wonder if it's the same or at least the floors, like they had the checker floors and everything, and I wonder <laughs> So many things were going through my head. I was going nuts. And she gave me her address. I was like, is this where this is? So then I went and there was apartment buildings. And I was like, uh, no, this can't be it. So when I went in and I, I talked to her more, I had a cup of tea with her. She told me that uh, they had sold the property a long time ago. And it was about two and a half hours or so from, from where she lived now in Brighton. So, <laughs> but for yeah. For a good while, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm going to go on our property. And it oh, was, oh, well. I, I, I didn't want to ask her either to be like, uh, you know, that's the only reason I want to go or I don't <laughs> I don't care about anything. Well, Just it was, it was decades ago. <laughs> yeah, me and Stephen, we did something last year where we were documenting uh, all the locations where, all, frankly, all of uh, Kubrick's films and, and things related to him filming his films and, and his life in and around London. Uh, and, you know, it's mostly Clockwork Orange. Clockwork Orange is the most British film he ever made. And mm-hmm. it is it is amazing how close to his home nearly everything was. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so that house is much closer to London. Oh, that's fantastic. That That's a great story. Uh, just a little aside note, when you were ta- saying about when you saw her, and there was just something about her visually. Uh, in addition to, you know, even before you knew who she was, that reminds me of David Lynch. He has a fascination with putting elder elderly people. He, in <laughs> almost every movie he's ever made, he has major parts. For, he, he has a fascination with elderly people. It's just something about the way he, they look, I guess, that fascinates him. And that, when you said that, that made me think of that. Oh, yeah. Um I have this one shot in that film where she comes off a stairway and she's looking around and she looks really dazed and the lighting, everything is just so perfect. And the wrinkles. Yeah, I know that part. Yeah. Right. Thank you. The wrinkles on her face are just so, they're just, it's just mesmerizing uh, 
just that that piece of cinema right there, just that little cut. Mm-hmm. I always take screenshots of it and advertise or make it a poster. <laughs> I like it so much. Um, so but the yeah. film is um, it's her having it's a dream sequence. Yes, it goes from color to black and white. Yes, right. If I'm remember, remembering right, and she's I guess she's haunted by what she did with Alex because she's like reliving it in the dream with a giant yeah. oversized needle. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, over over doing it in a dream, you know, freaking out. Um, but yeah, she uh, she's traumatized by it, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I had to think of something. Um, and and I I, I didn't want to just give her like a role. I wanted to make a movie with her. I thought right. it was fascinating what she told me. So I that's just the first thing that came up in my right. head was that it, I put myself in those shoes. If I was uh doing this in the 1970s and i saw everything that it caused a person or people or people that went through it i mean it was only him but still the the mentality of it in those days and then to be she of course she's alone she's eating dinner alone she goes to bed and in my mind the way i set the character is to have a, a lonely old lady with just these terrible memories right. So basically, yeah, she's haunted by it. She's traumatized by it. She goes to sleep and she goes into a dream world. And what she's doing is she's looking for Alex. She's looking for the patient to stick him with the needle. (laughs) So it's funny because I don't literally put so much in it. There's just little clues in there that like uh, uh, when the mad doctor gets the the clipboard, it says real huge in letters. It says Alex. Yeah. Yeah. And just little so, things like that. Also, the um, before she goes to sleep, she's having dinner, and the, her wall is orange. Yeah, <laughs> and I put that in the in the. In did you the, find an orange room, or did you paint it? No, I painted that wall. Oh, I painted cool. that wall orange. Yep, <laughs> I painted that wall orange. We took a photo shoot of her there, and um, it doesn't come out in the film again it's all black and white and we don't focus on that wall when we're shooting um but yeah that was the little you know hints to it um, it's just came out the way it came out and i you know she was all for it she went and got uh a nurse suit um that was from the 70s she went and she knew exactly where to get it and she uh you know she was all for it she went and she did her extra research to get that hat and she was just, she's a great actress. She's, you know, still active at this age. She just, uh, I believe she's 84 now. She oh. just turned 84. Um, yeah. So yeah, Shirley, Shirley is a great, a great actress. And she has many, many wonderful, amazing stories. Um, not only of, of the making of a Clockwork Orange, but many other, other things that she's done in her career in her time, you know? Um, but yeah, she also told me that, um, that they said, oh, we're just going to use your house for a couple of weeks. And it turned into like about three months. Oh, <laughs> yes. So she, she, uh, she oh. has some really crazy stories. She really, you know, she was an actress at the time. And she thought, oh my God, I've been found Kubrick found. He's going to put me in his films, you know, but it, it was not uh, like that. He was interested in her house, and then she was able to get a part, a small part as the nurse. So, yeah. 
So um, did you do you like other Kubrick films? Or you, I see you like, I like them all. Did you like Shining? I would I would assume would be one of your favorites because it's horror. Yeah, that's that's my second. That's my second favorite from him. I love The Shining and the torture of making that film too. Um, you know, really, <laughs> so many times to to shoot the. I think it was 127 times they shot that bat scene. Shelley Duvall was just so right. exhausted and just everything that he would make them do and they would do it. That's fascinating. Uh, the the paper stack that's uh, you know that right. that has typed out everything mm -hmm. had to be typed out it wasn't like oh put like you know 10 sheets and you know put a stack of paper <laughs> no no i want every sheet to have that exactly or we're not going to shoot it so i find that mm, i find that very precise you know the, the jack torrance character who types all that there's a little of that in kubrick because he like you say he could have just had an assistant type five pages and then make 150 copies of them, but he, he had the person type all of them. Yes. Yes. So, uh, yeah, that's definitely one of my favorites. Uh, for my full male jacket, of course. Um, just, but everything, uh, the killing, um, you know, that's about a, a horse, horse racetrack and the way that he planned it and, you know, everything that he did i think what well, that was his first feature is that correct um he had two features before that were both around 60 65 minutes oh no that's right it was uh the uh, fear and desire and killer okay well the killing I, I i saw this maybe last year and i had never seen that one before i really enjoyed it um the way that he goes back and he he shows like what happened. Okay. They're going to get in a fight and then they go back and they showed, you know, what happened when they threw the bag of money out the window and whatnot. I really loved it. Like, um, it was different. That film was different than the other ones that I had seen. But, uh, yeah, I, I love and admire everything Kubrick does. So, and had, yeah. has, um, the film, uh, the film before killer's kiss kind of reminds me like the story you're telling about, kind of guerrilla filmmaking he he did that on the streets of new york and he was really green and he made mistakes and he had to be actually had to redo all the audio you can kind of hear it kind of has a cheap sound to it because he, he he messed up with the microphones and he had to redo a lot of the sound and it's uh yeah it's kind of a, his his early guerrilla filmmaking on on a slice of life in barcelona that film is a puzzle like nobody would ever be able to figure that out. Like if I had to redo it, it'd be so difficult for me to remember everything because I have lost things before and I had to go in there. Mm -hmm. I manipulated the sound so much where I would fake it out and put other things to have a background right. to match the hiss of this and that because that movie was done all wrong. It was my first movie ever and I didn't care that it was going to be done all wrong. I wanted to do it to make sure that it gets done and it's right. on the brim of okay, of, you know, passing. It's it could just as long as on the brim. So I got an X, a Canon XHA1 camera and that has two XLR jacks. I plugged in some really nice Rode microphones and everything was recorded together. Now what's crazy is that I shot all that and 
Uh, it took a year to shoot it. It took a year to cast it. And once I had half the cast, I started shooting it. And it took another, it, it took a year to cast, a year to shoot, and a year to edit. But I edited it in San Antonio. So there was no reshoots or nothing like that. I shot it and what, what it was had to work. And since right. I already knew a little bit about sound due to music and everything like this, but it's passable. And I proved to everybody that it passed because I got distribution. Right. <laughs> but it's not, you know, I learned so much from it. And 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 that's why in, in Nurse Shirley Foster, I wanted to just make sure to get everything done nicely and quickly. That's why I chose black and white. I didn't have to deal with so much of, well, the color changes and color correction of what, of this and that. It was easier for me. Um, also having it with no sound and just having a very dysfunctional saxophone um that was also um easier for me not to deal with sounds and dialogue and surely Shirley's a great actress but surely if you give her a whole bunch of dialogue it would have been more work for her and me and it wasn't it was shot very quickly i think it's more of an experimental film i've never done anything like that before right there's Um, a point where um there's foster screams or shouts out and you use the saxophone to kind of be her her scream <laughs> it reminds me of charlie brown <laughs> i should you not um yeah and like i do another one when she squirts out some of the the serum, the serum from, yeah. from the what is That's it the, right. the yeah, the syringe, the syringe, it comes The way I found that saxophone, I didn't want to deal with no instruments there. Um, his name is Wayne Green. And the way I found that guy was, there's a place called the Bee's Mouth. And I did a, a screening there. I had never been to Brighton. And I was like, well, I'm going to do a screening in this bar basement and hope for the best. So they would have... Uh, open mic night there and there was this guy to go with his saxophone and and, you know do his open mic and he told me he goes I go I I loved it he goes can you believe that one time I was booed off the stage or or he said something that you know sometimes people don't like it because it's such an extreme weird saxophone pieces that he does some some people find it noisy I found it amazing I had all these visions in my head uh, of like people running down stairs and all these crazy, crazy lights and uh, none of that happened. <laughs> but it was my first, you know, vision of like mm-hmm. somebody trying to get away in a dream, getting out of there. It was all supposed to be in a dream. Um, and uh, then it just turned out to be like, OK, well, let's do something simple so actually there was three locations one location was where she's in those stairs and like it's like all all this you can see like a a fire not a fire hydrant um a fire extinguisher and do not enter well that was an abandoned building wow (laughs) yeah and my friend had axes in there and i was like do you think i could shoot a scene in there and and i I was like nobody comes around here and she's like no nobody's gonna tell you nothing just make it quick so i went in there with just one light and had the light um uh shining in a direction and had her come down the stairs and out and around so 
just in those little pieces where I needed a stairway and whatnot, we used that abandoned building. So it's kind of weird, you know, taking an old lady to an abandoned building and taking her to London and driving her, <laughs> taking her. <laughs> and she was, it's, it's hilarious to me. And she she was all for it. She was she's such a great sport. Weird so, but fun. Yeah. So yeah, we we did there. We did it at an apartment where where I painted a wall orange, and um, and then the the rest of it. I think one. No, actually, it was two locations. It was only that location, the other location, because I flipped it to make it seem like her bedroom in the same living room that, that I used with the wall. So <laughs> it was only two locations. Uh, and uh, shot it real quick. And the editing, since I do all the editing, I'm already editing in my head when I'm shooting. When I'm writing, I'm already thinking about how I'm going to shoot it. When I'm shooting, I'm already editing in my head. So right. I could put together stuff pretty quickly. Uh, but like I said, now it's seven years into it that I do everything on the films. And I'm ready to, you know, make a film with a budget and maybe step away a little bit from the camera and, but that's one thing I can't, you know, writing, directing is one thing, but one thing I can't let go of is the editing. It At least I have to do the first draft of it to put it in order. And then maybe somebody can, t a second editor could take it on and, and polish it up and let me look at it. You know, I'm willing, right. at least I'm willing, you know, to, to be like, yeah, I'll sit the fuck down and focus on my script and focus on my director and uh, directing and characters. Um, but it is very difficult because uh, I'm a real control freak. I, I like to control everything in the film. Um, right. Yeah. And the editing is as important as, or even more than anything. You can make a break. Yes. Everything, oh, everything. definitely. Me, me, and, me and Stephen do a little bit of editing, so we know how painstaking it is. You can turn a, uh, you can turn a bad actor into a good actor if you know <laughs> sure. how to edit his lines and hit the way he moves yeah. and stuff. I yep. have to do it, so I know <laughs> on on some stuff. Um, I won't get into it, but I've had to deal with that, and yeah, it's open. I I plan to go back to England this year. I I also am trying to pick up on my art. I do a lot of photography art and pieces that I put together mm -hmm. along with the photo. I'll make like a collage of like weird stuff around it or mirrors or whatnot. Like it's pretty interesting, and they're very heavy pieces. Um, but I want to really push my art, and I found that England was very organic for that. They're, they're very open-minded. I went and I was screening a, a Slice of Life in Barcelona, and I was screening, it was a, a Slice of Life in Barcelona and Witch Hour. And Witch Hour is pretty hardcore. <laughs> uh, there's there's some violence in there. And I wasn't sure how the English were, were going to respond to my dark humor. And I was like, well, we'll test it definitely with these films. And they loved it. They were laughing and laughing at Witch Hour. So when I put out Shirley Foster, when I put out Nurse Shirley Foster, you know, they... Again, it was, a, it was an old lady. It, it's pretty grim and freaky um and they were clapping they they really found it entertaining and they saw the art in it and i was surprised again and i was like you know what this is great so i love going to england england has always treated me so good and uh they they actually understand my my dark humor so i think that's great what you guys are doing and you know to put it together and for it to exist and 
to be a, a part of of the history of, of, of Kubrick because like like Shirley she I think she's underappreciated sometimes like I said like like just like I was talking about the most obscure things over there in a record is like everything to me it's like a pound in in a in a in a market there in a, in a thrift store and I'm just like what's going on so I see so much uh when I met her like I said I didn't even know she was in the cute in any anything to do with Kubrick I didn't know and I already saw something in her right away but then when I found out and I took off from there that I was very lucky to even be speaking to her that she you know she was 82 years old she was you know still a working actress and had a great attitude about it and she even told me herself she was like when I met Maria I really thought that she was saying all this stuff and then you know okay maybe it'll happen maybe it won't happen and bam I was shooting with her in less than two weeks from when I met her and wow. that was out and before you knew it within one month it was already in uh, London Kino, you know, it was already going to be in London screening in front of a, an audience of over a hundred people. Shirley Jaffe. Well, it was quite exciting for me because it's the first time, although I've done a couple of very nice features since I've lived down here, it's the first time I've been uh, starred in a film. Right. And it's, it's a very uh, peculiar film and very spooky. Mm. And it's all through and about Clockwork Orange. Going along to it, I think it went down quite well, although I think people found it a little bit puzzling. It was exciting to, 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 to be going and, uh, and seeing it and, and very surprising because I really honestly didn't think that anything would come of this idea. You know, so that for her was just like a head spin and I was just, you know, hoping that everybody else would help her out to to get her more work uh in in cool projects and stuff like that and she does have friends uh the, the same people that i've met that, that are that always um support the filmmakers over there you can definitely meet everybody that are just the locals and that's at brighton uh i'm sorry in brighton at uh shooters the shooters meeting so you can look that up on facebook but it's it's amazing what you can find at, at network meetings and and just going out and talking to people that they, this person knows this person oh, and i used to play or or that girl from uh the legendary band let's say girl school that used to be my girlfriend or something like what i love that band. are you serious like oh my god do you have any pics or any pictures <laughs> Yeah, one of the guitar picks. So yeah, I'm a real big nerd like that. But I always have been. I have always been a collector of movies and records, and I've always had a, a strange taste and and mind to go out and look for like really weird stuff. Can I ask a quick question? Yeah. Um, now Shirley made a TV series in the sixties. Yeah, so that that's where you got the name from, is it? Because she's yep. Shirley Jaffe. She played Nurse Hypo in Clockwork Orange, but she was she played the character of Nurse Foster in the sixties. So you brought all that together. Exactly. I'm yeah, and she actually it. had she had that role as a nurse. It was a it was a it was a soap opera, or a, um, a TV series. I don't know what's up with that of her always playing a nurse, but then I made her into a very demented nurse. <laughs> <laughs> 
So that was my job to sum that up for her. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it's quite a story because she was just, uh, you know, she, she had told me and that's why she knew exactly where to go get that outfit. She knew exactly. She was like, I know this lady. And it's the same lady from, from back in the seventies when she was working with Kubrick, you know? So yeah, it's, uh, that's how I, I just mixed it all in together because it was her. And that movie is about her. I'll tell you very briefly about why the, the name, the, the Nurse Foster. I had a badge from when I was in, um, that was part of my uniform from when I was in um, Emergency Ward 10. The, I was in the series for about eight months, doing perhaps one episode a month or something. And it closed, it died. Mm. And so I kept my badge and I still had that. Aww. So I used that when I did the nurse, um, nurse Shirley Foster. I don't know why she wanted to use my name. Um, perhaps she thought it was, there was a sort of nice muddle really about the, fo the nurse in the film and the nurse in the little film and the nurse in the series. Yeah, but uh, definitely I did, I did mix that all in there. So I'm glad you caught that. I, I totally forgot to, to add that in too, but that's cool. Shame yep. on me, I didn't pick that up in my research before this. Thank you, Stephen. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, well, is there, for our Kubrick-loving audience, if there's anything else you want to add, and wrap it up here. Oh, nothing much. If you want to see uh, Nurse Shirley Foster, you can go ahead and check it out on the Mayhem Film Creations channel on YouTube. Um, I got a couple movies on there, Witch Hour is on there. All right, and that's Creations with a K. Foster. Creations with the K, yep, Mayhem, <laughs> Creations with the K. Yeah, and uh, and definitely if you want to check out my first feature film, A Slice of Life in Barcelona, that's streaming now on uh, Amazon and Tubi, so you could definitely check that out. But I hope to keep on uh, going strong and making movies. All right, but, well, uh, thank you. We're very appreciative of your time, Maria. Cool. And, uh, All right, well, I wish you guys the best. I wish you guys the best, and uh, anytime that you guys want to talk about some if I can pull together another little sequel or something like that, you'll be the first to know about right. it. <laughs> this interview was conducted by James Marinaccio and produced by Stephen Rigg. Coming soon, we'll have a couple of original droogs stopping by the show and more clockwork-themed episodes for you to slushy. So grab yourself a glass of Maloko or a nice chasa of the old chai Lend us your ukos and spend some time with us on your Adinoki as it'll be real or a show. And be sure to watch Maria Galindo's Nurse Shirley Foster on YouTube. Follow the Kubrick's Universe page on FB to keep tabs on the only continuously running podcast for all things Kubrick out there. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever your pods are casted. And for the best community of online discussion for Stanley, be sure to join the Stanley Kubrick Appreciation Society on Facebook. I'm your host and humble narrator, Jason Furlong. Thanks for listening. We are going to leave you with an amusing anecdote from Tony and Shirley Jaffe, where Tony explains how the famous clockwork Home got its name. I'll give you one laugh, which you probably won't want to, want, want to use, Stephen, and cut as to why we called it Skybreak. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> Please. Right. I, when we went there, Shirley said, well, what are we going to call it? Because we didn't have numbers in the row. We had names. 
And I said, well, I'd like to call it break wind. <laughs> Jordy said, no. So I said, okay, wind break. And she said, no. So I said, okay, sky break. Sky break, yeah. Brilliant. Wow. Man. Yeah. That's might... incredible. And that's so... a true story. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Hey, hey, well, you lived, you lived it. Well, I have to slip this in to Stephen. They lived at Skybreak. James Bond lived at Skyfall, yeah. and I, my property is actually called Downwind. And you never want to be Downwind. here. Yes, Honestly. especially if Tony breaks. Break wind. If Tony breaks wind, you don't want to be on my property. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> I am being serious. <laughs> and don't call me Shirley. Doobie doo. A bit tired, maybe. That's not the same, or? Bedways is right ways now. So best we go home ways and get a bit of spatchka. Right, right? Right, right. right. Right, right. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. It's Kubrick's universe. We just live in it. We have taken very thorough precautions in this podcast against broadcasting anything which might only be attributed to human error. These guys aren't scientists. They're making it up as they go along. Thank you for listening to the Stanley Kubrick Podcast. Come back soon. It was real nice talking to you. Bye. Over and out. This show comes to you from the Stanley Kubrick Appreciation Society.